0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I mentioned the other day that I have a cold, uh, and uh, this morning I got up, I had no voice. Zero. Now, a couple hours later, I've got a voice. So I'm going to do the video. I apologize for my voice now, but I have not missed a day with a video, literally in like three or four years. So I'm just going to keep plowing ahead. Uh, this morning I got up. What if I can't speak at all? What would happen then? But I can speak enough. Here we go uh scott sent me notes to steve check out the story where they're talking about whether or not the people on board that ill-fated submarine signed away their rights by getting on board the submarine and a lot of news stories are out there about this i got a lot of requests for people saying you know talk about this and i'm not going to talk about the uh, submarine accident so much because i'm not an expert on submarines but i do know a bit about the legal aspects of what they signed to get on board Now, i do not have a copy of that agreement but I've seen a story where a guy's talking about what's in it because he signed the agreement. So, from Business Insider, Aaron Snodgrass wrote The company that operates the missing Titanic sub is likely protected from future lawsuits thanks to the tons of risk that passengers incurred, according to legal experts. It's not completely cut and dry, but uh, there are some hurdles, as we say. Uh, now, we know that the vessel's lost. They identified uh, a debris field yesterday. And uh, so the Titan vessel is gone. And the people on board are presumed dead. So search and rescue efforts were still underway yesterday. But then they announced that they'd found the debris field. And that's after a tourist submersible carrying five people went missing on Sunday. And that was on a dive mission to explore the Titanic shipwreck that sits in 12,500 feet of water. Now, This is uh, a company that did adventure trips, and so the point is this company had this submersible, and they said, we can take it down to the Titanic and bring it back up again. You can go on board if you pay a lot of money, and they had done this in the past, and uh, everything had gone well apparently in the last few uh, trips, but this time it ended catastrophically. So new details are now emerging about the company that operates the Titan sub, including the CEO's history of making remarks about safety publicly and allegations of negligence at the company. Now, legal experts say the company will almost certainly be protected from future lawsuits stemming from the current disaster. The chance of family members of the passengers having a successful lawsuit against the company is close to zero, said one attorney who's a partner with a law firm. Uh, In comments shared with Business Insider, the passengers knowingly participated in an extremely hazardous activity and they knowingly assumed great risk. Passengers on board the vessel, some of whom paid $250,000 to take the trip, also signed a waiver before they got on board. Everyone on board knew this wasn't a vacation or sightseeing trip and the disclaimer appears to have made the risk of death very clear multiple times at another attorney. I read an article where they interviewed a guy who is one of the producers on The Simpsons and he said that he went on this submarine a while back and did the trip down to see the Titanic. He said, I saw the Titanic. It was very cool. He goes, but before I got on board, they had me sign a waiver. And he said, on the first page, it described three different ways that you could die. Laid it out right in front of you. This is dangerous stuff. This is dangerous stuff. He signed it, went on the trip, they came back just fine. These people here probably signed the exact same waiver. A former passenger on one of the Titans' exploratory ventures said that the waiver he signed mentioned the risk of death three times on the first page. So you sign a massive waiver that lists one way after another that you could die on the trip. Nobody who's in this situation was caught off guard. You all know what you're getting into. With this type of private expedition, everyone involved is intentionally assuming tons of risk and are ostensibly informed of the numerous dangers, making it difficult for anyone to sue the company in the aftermath of the tragedy. It would be preposterous for their families to turn around and sue the company that they hired to dive to the wreck of the Titanic, this attorney added. That legal protection, however, only extends as far as the company informed its passengers of the various risks they faced. And one question that people have is, okay, if I'm told of certain risks and I sign a waiver, do I waive everything, including the rights I might have had if I'd known the full extent of the danger? And some allegations are being raised now that warning flags have been put up before, saying that the submersible was not as safe as it was being made out to be. And so on the one hand, they say, sign this waiver, and you can go on this trip. But when you ask, is it safe? If they say, yeah, it's safe. What about all these things here that says I could die? Well, you could also die crossing the street, right? As new revelations about the company at the heart of the disaster continue to emerge, a narrative is forming of an apparently lax culture surrounding safety at the company, which did not immediately respond to insider's request for comment. Meanwhile, the founder of the company and one of the five missing passengers made several now- eyebrow-raising comments about safety regulations recently, describing the diving industry as obscenely safe and lamenting that passenger vessel regulations were holding back innovation. In a Smithsonian Magazine feature on the Daredevil inventor, the man called industry safety standards understandable but illogical. And in a 2019 blog post on their website, he sought to explain why the submersible wasn't classed according to standard regulatory process citing innovation. Uh, He also told CBS journalist David Pogue in 2022 that at some point, safety is just pure waste. And those are the kind of statements that can come back to haunt you. Perhaps most damning of all, a former employee of the company said he warned the company years ago that the submersible could be afflicted by poor quality control and safety protocols that paying passengers would not be aware of according to a 2018 lawsuit filed by the former director of marine operations at that company. So there was some fighting going back and forth. The guy left the company. They sued him, and then he countersued and said, Hey, I'm a whistleblower. I am simply pointing out that there's these dangers. And so getting back to paying passengers would not be aware of the problems. Well, you sign a disclaimer or a waiver. Uh, it's presumed that you're doing it knowingly and willingly. And if you don't know all the risks, how knowing is it? Meanwhile, that man alleged he was wrongfully terminated if he brought forth concerns about the company's refusal to conduct critical testing on the submersible's hull. Uh, meanwhile, the owner's statements on safety, as well as the former employee's lawsuit, could prove legally dangerous to the company if the current search and rescue mission becomes a search and recovery effort, which, of course, it has now become Uh, and one person said the waiver could be challenged if it can be found that the company was negligent in the way it was being designed or operated, and if that caused the submersible to be lost. So I know that most of this has been in the news, and most of you are probably familiar with this, but just in case you're not. They lost contact with the sub uh, Sunday morning shortly after it left and launched and started its descent. And a few hours later, I think about 7 hours and 45 minutes later, The mothership contacted authorities, we we might have a problem here, we've lost contact with this submersible. And so they started a big search and rescue operation in the area, looking for them on the surface, looking for them on the bottom, and on the, you know, underwater. But the problem is that to get that far down, 12,500 feet, it's not stuff that most people are just laying around. So they had to bring in like all kinds of specialist equipment and stuff. And they were doing this and there was a, a race against time because if the ship was simply lost, like it lost power, it couldn't move and sank to the bottom, there was oxygen on board for a few days. So they thought, okay, well, we know that there's a window of time wherein we might be able to recover the sub if it's intact and save the people on board. Well, that window started getting smaller and smaller. Shortly after that window of time ran out, they found a debris field about, I think, 1,500 feet or so from the Titanic. And the debris field is clearly portions of this submersible. And they think it imploded. Okay, so you go down to that depth and there's a structural flaw or something. And the submarine implodes from the pressure. And so something happens to the hull is no longer uh, having the integrity it needs. And it implodes. And it would implode extremely quickly. So uh, for those who are curious, if you were on board, it would have been over very quickly. Uh, in fact, probably too fast for to even comprehend what was happening. We're talking fractions of a second, I've seen in some of the articles. But then, after that was announced, uh, some government officials did come out and say, oh, by the way, uh, we've gone through our data and we've actually found a sound that we think we got that came from that sub imploding. And for those of you who don't know, uh, and this is one of those things that is... Public. It's not like I'm disclosing confidential, top-secret information here because I know it and I'm not a Navy official. But the United States has got a, a, an array of acoustic buoys around the world in the oceans. And they listen for things, primarily submarines of other countries. But they are extremely sensitive. And so when a submarine passes nearby, they can actually go, oh, a submarine has passed this one buoy. Well, there's another buoy over here and another buoy over here, and they can triangulate exactly where the submarine is, where it's going, that kind of thing. So if a submarine or other device goes under the water and implodes, that will get picked up by those buoys in that system. Now, they didn't come out and immediately announce that, probably because they're double-checking it to make sure that's what it was. But it now appears that the submersible is descending from the mothership, and very, very shortly thereafter... Imploded. So they know when the ship started descending and the implosion happened not so long after that. So they were thinking that it's possible that these people were down in the bottom for a couple days, that kind of thing. No. And so once they had that worked out, they figured out pretty quickly like, oh, okay, the sound we picked up was that submersible crushing. But it's a sad story. Uh, The people on board paid a lot of money to be there and company official is obviously on board as well. But I've seen people who've gotten injured doing something that they went into willingly. And they signed a waiver saying, I understand that there's a risk of injury, a risk of death. And, you know, if you go horseback riding, they'll make you sign something like that. I've seen it before where somebody went to a bar and a local beer distributor was putting on a a joke sumo wrestling competition where you put on this big inflatable suit and you go into a ring and try to knock somebody down and the winner gets like, you know, free drinks or something. And they'll have you sign a thing saying, I understand that I get hurt or killed doing this. Killed? <laughs> but it depends on a variety of issues, one of which is going to be the state law that governs this. And so I, this is not going to be a, a lawsuit filed in Michigan, and that's where I know the law is the best. So uh, what is going to really come out here, is what was the danger? What led to the catastrophe? And is that something that the company could have foreseen? And is it something that they disclosed to the people getting on board that submersible? And so there's no question they said, yes, this is dangerous and bad things can happen to you. But I've also seen communications where The people at the company were telling people, well, but it's still safe. It's still safe. And so you get that mixed message. And the question then is, does any of that help you overcome a waiver that you signed? So it's a tragic story. uh, And I'm, I'm sorry to say it ended so poorly. And the sad part, of course, is that they spent all this time looking. And it was already, the whole event was over. So a lot of resources and a lot of people we're hoping and trying to do something about this, and it's what we call a futile effort. So that's a situation. I'm sure we're going to find out more in the coming weeks as they analyze that debris field to figure out what went wrong, if they can see that from the debris field. And then, of course, whether or not lawsuits will get filed and what will happen to those, I will follow those as well. So the company that operates the missing Titanic sub is likely protected from future lawsuits thanks to the tons of risk that passengers incurred and the waivers they signed before they boarded. Business Insider ran that. Aaron Snodgrass wrote it, and Scott sent it to me. Thanks a lot questions or comments. Put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Where there's a will, I want to be in it.